0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. So good to see you. You may take your seats. You're doing good? Give me a wave if you're doing good. Excellent. So uh, I just wanna make one more announcement um, before I get onto the message. And that is that REC is having a break over Christmas. So, just to give all the parents the heads up. Um, so, I think there's two more weeks of REC, is that right? Yeah, so there's two more weeks. There, there's going to be a presentation on the 15th of December where I think they're going to sing a song for us or do something special. And then um, over the Christmas holidays, they're going to be in church with us. Isn't that great? So I just want to put it out there that we love having kids in church. So they are part of our family, they're part of our community, and um, we love having them in church with us. So I don't want you to stay home because you think, how am I going to keep my kid quiet for an hour and a half or hour and a quarter or however? Just, just bring something for them, bring a book, you know, I don't know, in my day we bought colouring in, but we've got technology now, but... What you know? If they, yeah, if they need something to keep them busy, bring something to keep them busy. But we want them in the house, you know, because even if they're coloring in or reading a picture book, they're still, um, their soul is still being saturated with the Word of God, and they're still being part of what's happening. So, yeah, we we really want you to, um, bring your kids, bring your kids to church. So, we've been talking about how we fight our battles. Who's been Getting something out of that, so good, isn't it? It's so practical because we know real life has battles, real life has challenges, doesn't it? Has anyone not discovered that yet? (laughs) Has anyone lived a challenge-free existence? No, of course not. So it says in in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. So the fight that we're fighting is not without a purpose, it's a good fight it's good, isn't it? It makes us strong and um, it builds character in us and the end result is victory. So it's a good fight. It's not something that we should shrink back from. It says, take hold of the eternal life for which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. So to take hold of that eternal life is not a passive thing, is it? It's an active thing to take hold of something, if I come down here and I take hold of Brett's arm, it's, it's an active action, you know, it's, we've got to take hold of it, um, not just let it, you know, not just drift through life. And um, when, I, when I think about the times in my life when I wasn't necessarily living the abundant life that Jesus died for me to live, I look back over my life, and I think it was when I was passive. When I was just kind of cruising, and I was just kind of letting things happen, and I wasn't really taking hold of everything that God had for me. So we're called to be active, not passive. We're called to be good soldiers. So we're going to look at a few points today of what characterizes a good soldier. So if you're taking notes, this is point number one. A good soldier trains... A good soldier trains. No soldier is allowed to go into battle without first doing some training. He needs to know, or she needs to know, how to use their weapons, uh, what strategies they need to use, and they need to be mentally and physically fit to go into battle. So every good soldier trains. Um, we did some training a few years ago, which was self-defense training. Some of the girls in the church did it with me. Remember that? It was it was full on. We did it with with Don Corazza and it was to prepare us for the probably un, for the unlikely event, but you know it still happens. That you may be um, attacked or accosted by someone, and you need to know what to do to defend yourself. And so he taught us things like. Where, where to hit the enemy, um, to maim him so that then we could run away. So he said to go, go for the weak, you know, go for the soft points, go for the eyes, gouge their eyes. Or, you know, go for the groin. Kick them in the groin and then you can run. Or, you know, I found out, <laughs> I know it sounds brutal, but if it's life and death, if it's your life that's on the line, you need to be proactive. You can't be passive. And one of the things he taught us was to act quickly. And and we had to do these actions repetitively. Remember last week Stephen said that training is repetitive. It's something that you do over and over and over again until it becomes automatic. So we had to do these uh, repetitive actions where we had to use this part of our hands, I remember, and forcefully whack somebody in the chin. But we, we use, were whacking a pad on somebody's hand. But really, you know, put your all into it. Because if you have to, you know, whack somebody in the chin, they, you're going to want to know that they cop it good. And, uh, and another thing I learned that if you kick somebody hard enough in the knee and make it bend the opposite way, they're not going to be able to chase you when you run. So, if you kick somebody hard enough right there and their leg buckles back that way, I know it sounds brutal, doesn't it? But it's good information to have. And then we had to put it into practice because at the end of this training, all these repetitive actions, we also learned that if you hit somebody in the right place in the throat, you know, it'll take their, it'll, you know, hit them in the windpipe hard enough. They're not going to be able to breathe to chase you. <laughs> so we learnt that too. Um, and then he made us put it into action. We had to walk along with our eyes closed. And he brought in this man who attacked us. <laughs> he really attacked us. And we didn't know whether he was going to come from the side, the back, the other side or the front. But we had to walk along with our eyes closed. And he just came and wrestled us and crash-tackled us to the floor. Thankfully, there were padded mats on the floor. And, uh, and then we had to fight. We had to put everything into action that we had learnt. We had to go for the face. We had to gouge his eyes. We had to kick his knees. We had to elbow him. Wherever he had a soft place, we had to just fight for our lives and he said, treat it like a real situation, like you're walking down a laneway and someone's attacked you from, from behind unexpectedly. So this guy, he was padded. He was wearing a padded suit. So he had a helmet on so he couldn't really gouge his eyes, but we had to pretend that we were gouging his eyes. And he had all this padding on, but, and the groin was padded, the knees were padded. But um, we found out later that there were a few places that weren't padded where a few women managed to get their fingernails in there. He had a few scratches and a few. (laughs) So we took it seriously. We really did. We took him on. And, uh, yeah, but that's training. That's what training is for, you know, repetitive action so that when the moment comes where you have to put it into action, you know what to do. Uh, There's this show on TV, it was on TV a while ago, called I Shouldn't Be Alive. Did anyone ever see that? Even talking about that self-defence class is exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that show because it was about people that had to face life-threatening, adverse situations and they had to survive, they had to do something to save their lives. And it was the story, um, it was a documentary, but it also involved drama about how they managed to survive a situation. And and a few of these incidents was when a plane would, you know, there'd be a plane crash and they would land in water, or there'd be a boat wrecked and they would end up in water. And one thing I noticed was the people that survived were the people that had the upper body strength to actually lift their body weight out of the water and climb on top of some kind of wreckage so that they could save their own lives. And the people that weren't fit enough, that hadn't done any training and weren't physically fit enough to get their own body weight out of the water drowned. But the people that managed to climb up on something were then able to then rescue someone else and pull them out of the water So, and I used to watch that and think, you know, there is good reason to stay physically fit, isn't there? Because in the unlikely event that you're ever going to have to save your life or somebody else's, it pays to be strong, doesn't it? It pays to be able to help yourself and help somebody else. And that's that's what training is all about. Those people who had trained their bodies to be strong were able to survive. David said in Psalm 18, 34, He trains my hands for war and he strengthens my arms to bend a bow of bronze. And in Psalm 144.1, praise to the Lord my protector. He trains me for battle and he prepares me for war. So there's training that we need to do in order to be prepared to fight the enemy because it says in 1 Peter that we have an adversary and he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But if we're strong, that's when we stand and we say, you may not, you may not take my peace. You may not devour the generations to come. You may not take my joy. You You may not, you may not, you may not. We don't just stand there passively and go, oh, whatever, just come and take it. That's when we're proactive and we say no. You know, Tuesday morning prayer, when we come together and, and prayer, whenever we pray, sometimes I just look around and I think, these prayer warriors are, are training. You know, these, these people who are young and these people who are old, they're, they're training um, in how to use the Word of God offensively, defensively. They're, they're training, you know, how to declare the promises of God over their lives and over the lives of others. It's a repetitive action. It's something that we do often, not just when we're in a crisis, but when we do it often, then we know how to bring out that prayer weapon and use it effectively when we need to. So that's, that's you know, why the Word of God says to pray at all times, to pray without ceasing. There's a US Marine motto that says, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. So the more, you know, the more effort we put in to making sure that we're spiritually ready, mentally ready, the less the carnage is when the time comes that we have to face a battle. So, training is repetition. Everyone say repetition. So, what are you doing over and over again that's making you strong? Let me ask you that. What are you doing repetitively, habitually? What are you disciplining yourself to do over and over again that is making you strong? Whether it's prayer, whether it's memorising the Word of God, whether it's meeting together with other people that will encourage you and lift you up, whether it's worship, you know, what are you doing repetitively that's making you strong? What are you doing repetitively that's not making you strong? You know, we need to ask ourselves sometimes, is what I'm doing helping me or harming me? Is eating a whole block of chocolate when I'm stressed helping me or harming me? I don't know. It works for me. (laughs) But yeah, seriously, we need to ask ourselves, what am I doing repetitively? (laughs) So a good soldier trains. Number two, a good soldier takes care of his comrades. We take care of each other, don't we? We look out for each other. When we're strong, we're able to help one another. We're able to lift each other up. I'm sure many of you have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. If, if you haven't, it's really worth watching. It's an amazing movie. They're doing something for me. They're not leaving because they're bored, I promise. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so in the movie Hacksaw Ridge... It's based on the true story of a guy named Desmond Doss who refused to take up a weapon not because he, was, not because he lacked courage but it was just his, his personal belief that he didn't want to shoot or, or kill anyone. But he single-handedly saved 75 men during World War II. Doss was wounded four times in the Battle of Okinawa. Said to make sure I said that right and he was evacuated in 1945 after continually running back and forth into the battlefield to rescue his fellow soldiers he suffered a fracture in his left arm from a sniper's bullet and he had 17 pieces of shrapnel embedded in his body so he was no coward he continually ran back into the battle to get his comrades and to bring them to safety, to the point of exhaustion. And I'm sure if you've seen the movie, you'll remember that powerful scene where he prays and he says, Lord, just help me get one more. Just help me get one more. Just give me the strength to save one more. Such an amazing um, picture of what we're called to do, isn't it? And in Mark chapter 2, it says that there were four men who came and they brought their friend on a stretcher to Jesus. It says, and when they couldn't get him to the place in front of Jesus because of the crowd, they dug a hole through the roof above him and when they and when they scooped out an opening they let the stretcher down with the param, paralyzed man laying on it and when jesus saw their great faith he said to the para, paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven take up your mat and walk <laughs> so How beautiful is that? And I love this story. Thank you, you you good friends. You can sit down now. Thank you. (laughs) I love this story, how Jesus said said to him, the first thing he said to him, he took care of his heart first. The first thing he said to him was, son, your sins are forgiven. So he was thinking about his eternity, not just his present circumstances. His salvation was what Jesus addressed first. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, and you're healed. So rise up, take your bed, but you don't have to, and walk and you are healed. You, you can leave it there. That's okay. Yeah, I'm going to use it. <laughs> I wasn't just being nice. I want it. <laughs> but yeah, isn't that awesome that, you know, sometimes we need to get somebody that's struggling and to, and to take them to Jesus. You know, we need, to, we need to get them on the stretcher and we need to take them to the place where they can receive healing. We need to take them to the place where they can receive salvation. And there are times when we are the stretcher carriers. There's times when we're carrying others to Jesus. And there's times where we are the one that's on the stretcher, where we need someone to carry us to Jesus. Because we're tired, or we're battle-weary, or we're discouraged, or we need healing. So there's times when we're on the stretcher, and there's times when we carry the stretcher. And we all do both, yeah. Maybe one of the guys carrying the stretcher was the guy that Jesus healed a couple of days before of leprosy. And he said, hey, I know this guy. And he's transformed my life. I want to take you to him. Maybe it was the guy that got delivered of an evil spirit that was on one corner of the stretcher that said, hey, I know this amazing man and he's changed my life and you need to meet him. You need to go to him. And that's the power of our testimony, isn't it? Sometimes we carry others. Sometimes we need others to carry us. And we need to know how to ask for help when we need it. In Daughters yesterday, we talked about vulnerability, the power of being vulnerable, the power of being honest when you need to know how to ask for help, when you need someone to pray with you, when you need, you know, to be able to talk to someone about something. Because we all face battles. We all need to be real and we need to be vulnerable sometimes because it gives other people permission to be real and vulnerable. And we need to... Encourage people and not judge them in that moment. So we need to know when to get on the stretcher and we need to know when to get off the stretcher. It's hard to help someone that refuses to get on the stretcher and it's hard to help someone that refuses to get off. So, you know, there's a time for both, isn't there? So a good, a good soldier takes care of his comrades Romans 15.1 says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. We're not just here to please ourselves, are we? We're here to be a community, to support, to help, to encourage each other. Number three, a good soldier has a battle cry. Have you ever, you know... I have never seen a real army go into battle or heard their battle cry, but I've heard it on movies. I've seen it on movies. And it's an inspiring thing, isn't it, when you see hundreds of thousands of soldiers and they all give this united cry. It, it has the effect of uniting them, but it also has the effect of intimidating the enemy. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like when you see the All Blacks do the haka before the rugby It's pretty intimidating, isn't it? And that originated as a war cry. Look out, enemy, here we come. We're taking you on. And when we worship together, you know, it's more than just singing a song together. That's our battle cry. You know, those songs that we were singing this morning about how faithful our God is and how he he comes through for us, that has the effect of uniting us, but it also has the effect of saying to the enemy, hey, we know who our God is. Hey, we know who we are as his sons and daughters. We remember what he's done for us in the past and we know he's got good things in the future. We know he's got good plans. We know there's more victories coming. So when we come together and we worship, it's more than just singing a nice song. That's our battle cry. That's our declaration. As as a community, as the sons and daughters of God, we're saying we know who God is. We know who we are and it intimidates the enemy. It intimidates the enemy. You know, and Stephen showed that picture last week of David holding up the head of Goliath. And it says in the Bible that he took that head all the way back to Jerusalem. Five miles, he carried that dead head with him back to Jerusalem because at the time, Jerusalem was under the control of the Jebusites. So David you know, I think he took it back there because he just wanted to say to them, hey, you might, you might have won this battle. You might be occupying the holy city right now. But this is the head of the giant of Gad. And God has just given me victory over him. And you better watch out because you're next. We're coming for you next because God is on our side. And he's going to give us the victory. So holding up Goliath's head was like his battle cry. Like, yeah, this is what God's done for me. This is what God's done for me. And he's, gonna, he's got more victories ahead. So we need a battle cry. When you're going through a battle, you need a battle cry. You need a song that you can sing over and over again to encourage your heart, to strengthen you, but also to remind the enemy that you know ...who you are, you know who your father is, you need a scripture, you need a scripture that you can hold on to... ...and declare over and over and over again, that says, hey, this is my declaration... This is what I'm declaring prophetically over this situation. This is what God says about what I'm facing right now. And that needs to be your battle cry. You need a song. You need a testimony like Goliath's head where you can hold it up and say, this is what God's done for me in the past. And I know he's going to do something amazing in the future as well because my God is good. You need a testimony. That's the power of testimony. That's why we say, tell us when God heals you because it encourages others. It speaks prophetically into the lives of others because if he can do it for somebody else, he can do it for you. Ephesians 5.19 says, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with your voices and making melody with your heart to the Lord because this is how we spur one another on with a psalm with a song we say hey when I was going through that tough time this is the scripture that I held on to you know this is the song that I woke up singing in the morning you need to take the you need to take hold of this you need to encourage yourself with this we meet together with a psalm because you know we can give it to someone else we can encourage someone else with it with a song this is how we spur each other on. So what's your battle cry? Get one. Get one. Number four, a good soldier follows directions. No AWOL soldiers. We spoke about one of those last time, didn't we? The guy that started shooting his comrades in the training. A good soldier follows directions. Psalm 5.8. David says, here I am, prostrate in your inner sanctum, waiting for directions to get me safely through enemy lines. That's what David did when he had a battle to fight. He lay before God, face down in his presence and said, God, I'm going to stay here until you give me a strategy. I'm going to stay here until you give me directions for what to do in this situation. David won so many wars, didn't he? He won so many battles, but he was wise enough never to move in presumption. He always sought God. You see it again and, and again in Scripture where it says, and David sought the Lord, and David sought the Lord, and David sought the Lord. And he said, should I fight this battle? Should I face this army? Should I do this? Should I do that? And he always waited for a strategy from God. There's an example of that in 1 Chronicles 14 where the Philistines were raiding. I won't read the story, but I'll just tell you briefly. And David said to them, is it the right time to attack them, God? And God said, go get them. So he went and attacked them. He defeated them. And then a few verses later it says, and they raided again. They came back for more. So David sought the Lord again. He didn't just assume that last strategy, for the last battle would work again. He sought the Lord and God said, don't go up after them. I've got a different plan this time. Turn away from them and come around behind them, over opposite the mulberry trees. And then when you hear a sound of rustling in the mulberry trees, then it's time to go into battle. We used to sing this song. <laughs> I hear a rustle in the mulberry trees. Does anyone remember that? (laughs) I read this and then I was like, I said to Stephen, that's what that song was about that we used to sing when we were kids. Ah, Funny how things click decades later. The rest of you probably realised that 20 years ago, but when I read that story lately, that song came back to me. Hilarious. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) It was a bit more than 20 years ago. But God said, when you hear the mulberry trees rustling, then you ambush them. So he had a different strategy. God might, you know, God has a strategy for every battle that we face. And we just need to take the time to lay before him to get in his presence and say, God, show me what to do. Show me your plan so that I can face this battle and I can, I can see victory. And my last point, number five. Everyone say number five? five. Still alive? Still awake? You're doing good. A good soldier stays at his post. A good soldier stays at his post. One of my posts is wife. One of my posts is Mother daughter, friend, pastor, member of this church community is one of my posts. My most important post that I must stay at is believer, disciple of Jesus Christ. And if I take care of that post, then everything else will take care of itself. So I need to stay at my post I need to stay following Jesus. I need to stay devoted to him. And then all my other posts that I need to stay at line up. Then I'm going to be present in my family. I'm going to be present in my marriage. I'm going to be present as a pastor, as a friend. If Jesus is my number one focus. There are things that we're all called to. There are things that you are called to, there's posts that you're called to stand at that you need to stay at, you need to be present at. People are relying on you to be there and you need to be there. There's places where you have to hold the line where no one else can do it for you. No one else can fulfill that place where you need to stand. We need to stay at our post as members of this community, as members of this body. There's some really amazing research about being a member of a church, staying at our post as a member of this community. I love it how God never asks us to do anything unless it's good for us. Every single thing that He asks us to do nourishes us, strengthens us, builds us, feeds us every single thing that He asks us to do, including being part of His church. There's this new research from the Vanderbilt University. They, they did this study with middle-aged people. So all these people aged between 40 and 65. And they, they studied people that attended what they call worship houses of worship and people that didn't do you know that for middle-aged adults both men and women who attend a house of worship regularly you are 55% less likely to die (laughs) 55% in that age range This is what it says. Let me read what the study says. I'm trying to present it in a way that makes sense because I told Chelsea and she said that doesn't make sense. So I tried a different approach. Let me read what the study said. Uh, (laughs) Adults aged 40 to 65, both men and women who attend a house of worship regularly, Reduce their mortality by 55%. 55%. So they studied all these stats like cholesterol, blood pressure, uh, nutritional, inflammatory, and metabolic indicators. And non worshippers have significantly higher overall risk factors than worshippers. So their heart wasn't as healthy, their cholesterol wasn't as healthy, their metabolism wasn't as healthy, you know? And you might just put that down to, well, you know, that's because Christians just leave cleaner, lead cleaner lifestyles. They take, take better care of themselves. But there's also a scripture in Romans 8 that says, if the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then it will make alive your mortal bodies. You know, I think it's more than just a physical thing going on here. There's a spiritual thing going on here because that's a promise from God that says if you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in you and He will make alive your mortal bodies. He will invigorate, strengthen and make you healthy. And this statistic proves it. I love it when the stats back up the Word of God, don't you? And it happens over and over and over again. I love, I like statistics and I just see it over and over again that the promises of God are proved in in studies that are done. Let me just read you another quick study because I still have two minutes. There was another study done um, by another university in uh, the University of Wisconsin recently. And this is what they said, The temptation to skip church on Sunday the temptations are many, from sleeping in to getting an early start on mowing the lawn. But new research on religious attendance and well-being may give people cause to reconsider. People who attend Sunday worship not only feel better during the time that they're in church, but they're happier during the week than non-church goers. According to new studies from the University of Blah Blah Blah, Research shows that time spent with good friends are predictors of better mental health. The study found that churchgoers spend about 65 minutes more on Sundays than those who do not attend church with non-household family members and friends. Churchgoers are also more likely to volunteer on Sundays, another activity associated with better mental health. In contrast, non-attenders spend about 70 minutes more on Sunday watching TV, uh, half an hour more doing domestic tasks, and 45 minutes more unpaid work. All of these activities rank far below attending church in terms of leaving people in a positive mood. Uh, the, The overall result, the more frequently people attend church services, the more likely they are to report greater satisfaction with their lives and more positive emotional experiences. Isn't that awesome? So it says, yeah, it appears that even people who occasionally nap in services, this is none of you, I haven't put any of you to sleep yet, are better off at church as opposed to those who are at home sleeping in. (laughs) That's pretty cool, hey? So when God says, stay at your post, be part of a community, turn up, it's because it's good for us. It's so good for us. The stats prove it. So let's stand together. (laughs) Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for your amazing word that nourishes us, encourages us strengthens us. Thank you for your amazing church, Lord, for this community that you've ordained, Lord, for us to be part of. Thank you even for the battles that we fight, that we don't have to fight them alone, but we fight them together, that you've called us to stand side by side, advancing forward together, Lord. You've given us the weapons. You've given us the strategies. Thank you, Father that we're surrounded by people who spare us on, who look out for us, who care for us. Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you for the victories that are yet to come. Thank you that you are so faithful. Thank you that even when we don't understand, we can trust. We can trust that you're leading us into greener pastures you're leading us into victory lord you're in control you're amazing you're the commander of this army you go before us you make the way clear you're advancing ahead of us thank you father thank you thanks for joining today It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.